about to watch Plerud by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. As he brings to you a message from God's word, that will build you up and make you complete in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We pray that as you watch this teaching you will receive the empowerment to bear much fruit in Christ. Now listen. Praise God. I would delight uh, basically that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And we have been on him fulfilling the law. Last week we took more time on studying how we fulfilled the law. Amen to Jesus. And uh, we understood basically that uh, the proof of law is a choice. Amen. Praise the Lord forevermore. And we discovered that when Jesus chose to accept the Father's will over his own will, he did this because of the Father's will and the salvation of humanity. Amen. Did that because of the Father's will, which was what that no man this that no man perish, and also because of the salvation of humanity. And by so doing, he showed perfect love to the Father and humanity by the singular action. Praise God. So let us do that Jesus showed perfect love to the Father. Perfect love. Perfect love to the Father, perfect love to humanity. Jesus is the emblem of love. He's the description of love. Praise God forevermore. That's why when I want to talk about love, I always tell people love is more than an emotion. Love is more than a feeling. One of the problems that we've had in the church is that we've allowed the world to find love for us. And because we've allowed the world to find love for us, we move by the definitions of the world. And we tie our love to emotions, we tie it to feelings, we tie it to what we want and what we don't want. And that's why I say people go into relationships, they have a lot of expectations from the other party, praise God. But the actual fact is that love does not have expectations. Love has what it wants to give. Amen. Love comes to give. Love does not come to take. Any, any, any relationship that is one-sided, where one party keeps taking, in no time will disintegrate. Why? Because it's a parasitic relationship. The parasite will end up killing the host. Praise the Lord forevermore. And look at parasitic relationships, you discover that one, the, the parasite always ends up killing the host. But love is not parasitic. Love seeks to give. Praise God. And Jesus is the whole definition of love. His sacrifice is all there is love. So when you're talking about love, you're talking about sacrifice. Uh, as is popularly said, February 14th, which I'm also follow today, uh, is Valentine's Day. I have not done an exhaustive study of Valentine. And they say it's love day and different, different, different. We have different, different understandings and uh, different postulations and different dispositions containing it. But if they say love day, must understand basically that love is about sacrifice and that is about Jesus. So if we don't understand the work that Jesus did for us, we don't understand what love means. Love is not a feeling, love is not an emotion, love is not an excitement, love is the revelation of God to man in the person of Jesus. Praise the Lord forevermore. Alright, so I we'll continue today that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. I want to understand how we fulfill the law. And today we are going to be understanding that he fulfilled the law by fulfilling the demands of the law, which is death. Now we've understood that we've taught this in one of our previous lessons. And I believe that we can go to that lesson and understand this. So I'm not going to spend much time on Jesus 
dying to fulfill the demands of the law. Praise the Lord forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now in this lesson, we understand further how Jesus fulfilled the law and the benefits. I will not sell the benefits today, amen. It's going to be less quick because that will take us a lot of time. We will understand how we fulfilled the law, amen. The death of Jesus, we need to understand that the death of Jesus enacted a new covenant. It enacted what? A new covenant. And this is so because, one, a testament is only effective when the testator dies. Amen. I remember when I did company law, we talked about testatorship. Amen. Yeah, we talked about it, praise God. And so a testator is one who writes a testament. Is one who actually writes his will. Praise the Lord. The testament is actually will. And his, his, his will is not effective until he dies. That means the lawyer cannot read his will until he dies. Any attempt to read his will before he dies is criminal. Amen to Jesus. Because it's only when he dies that the will can be enforced. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, so this means that the death of Jesus gave rise to the enforcement and the enactment of the New Testament. So without the death of Jesus, there would have been no New Testament. Praise the Lord forevermore. Uh, I, I lived in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a city in Nigeria where there was a time the vogue, the, what was in vogue was some children waiting for their fathers to die so they take over their father's property. Some go ahead and kill their fathers just to take over their father's property, their father's investment, what their father had labored for. Why? They know basically that while the father is still alive, they cannot do what? They cannot take over the father's what? Property. There was a particular building precisely. It was then the biggest building in that city and the finest, very strategically located. Um, we learned that the owner of that building actually ran out of the state. If I ran out of the country, he had to run for his dear life. The story was that his first son and first wife connived to poison him. While he walked out the plan, his houseboy saw the wife were walking it out. And so, when the man was about eating the food, the houseboy told the man, oh, that stop. The man was like, what do you say, oh, that stop, wait. He called, he took the food, and he gave the food to their dog. The man said, what are you doing? He said, oh, that was wait. He gave the food to their dog. The dog ate, so that wait, watch, watch, just wait and watch. What is this boy doing, oh, that wait and watch? Last quite few minutes after, the dog started manifesting, and he died. The man was like, what's this? So that called let me tell you this, this one. Your first son and your wife, they poison your food. If you know what is good for you, you have to look for a way to get out of this goodness. The man knew that he cannot drive them away from the house. If he seeks to do that as a smart man, that will even lead to them coming bluntly and killing him. So he had to run out of the country, let the house. In fact, he didn't even attack the house. He put the house on sale and ran out of the country. But the problem that came up was that every time people come to negotiate for the house, this first son and the wife will trouble them and chase them out of the negotiation. So the house remained like that for years. Standard. And you know some say that's to tell you how powerful the death of a testator is. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful it is. Amen to Jesus. 
praise God. If you look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16, it says, For this cause he is the mediator to about Jesus of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It's, well, this is 15 and 16. Now 16 says, For when a testament is, then it was also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now we must understand something that the New Testament was already written before Jesus came to earth. Yet it's very long. The Old Testament was a force. Are you getting what I'm saying? Give it to Moses. But before Jesus came to earth, the New Testament was already written by the Father. But the New Testament would have, would have remained a, a written testament in the hand of the Father, not enforceable if Jesus had not died. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the, the, the first basic reason, one of the major, the major reason why Jesus had to die was because the death, the death of the testator is what enforces the manifestation of the testament. Now, God the Father had written a new testament, praise the Lord forevermore, and he cannot die because he is eternal, praise the Lord forevermore. He is eternal, so he cannot die. And he knows that for the, he needs this New Testament to be enforced. And the only way for the Testament to be enforced is for the testator to die. Now, how would God die so this New Testament will be enforced? Because the Old Testament had a glory, but it was a glory that was not compared to the New Testament if you go through our Corinthians says Paul speaking, they say the Old Testament had a glory, but the glory was not compared to the Testament. And he calls it the 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 testament the 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 law of condemnation, praise God. And God has given this testament. Now make us understand what the hard new testament of written that now we wait for that to be new testament. Now God needed the new testament to be enacted because the new testament was what was what was what had the power to bring the Eden experience back to man. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Old Testament could not bring the Eden experience back to man. Only the New Testament had the had power to do it. So God had written the Old New Testament before Jesus came. In fact, let me even shock you. God wrote the New Testament even before the Old Testament. Are you going to say? I will see that as we go and I will let you understand. God wrote the Old Testament before, wrote the New Testament before the Old Testament, but said the Old Testament first, physically, before the New Testament. So it will point man to Jesus, who finally enforced the New Testament. Now, so for the Old Testament, for the New Testament to become enforced, God needed the testator had to die. And God is eternal, he cannot die. So what did he have to do? He had to come in the form of man. So he can die. And by that death, he can enforce what? The New Testament. He has to come in the form of man so he can die. And by that death, his will for humanity can become enforced. So the death of Jesus was beyond just the, 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 the uh, dying for, to, to pay back to us. And we learned that the, to fulfill the demands of the Lord, which was the way Jesus said, it was beyond just being the ransom for man's sin. It 
It was more than that. It was all of God ensuring that his New Testament is enforceable to man. Are you something? And that's why Jesus had to die. Praise God. Now, the death of Jesus created the New Testament. Why? Because this because it's only the death of the testator that leads to what? The, the enforcement of the testament. Now, secondly, same way two kings cannot rule at the same time in the same location. That's not possible. Is that also? Two testaments cannot be enforced at the same time on earth. Are you not saying? Yes. Same way two kings cannot rule at the same time in the same location, two testaments cannot be enforced at the same time on earth. It was impossible for the Old Testament and the New Testament to be enforced at the same time. Listen to me, very God is a God of order. Even though the New Testament was written before the Old Testament by the Father, the Father also ensured that the Old Testament was first, first enforced. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now it amazes me how you see Christians try to model up things in life. God is a God of order. Two testaments cannot be enforced at the same time. Two things cannot be taken at the same time. Praise God. So it means that the new covenant enacted by the blood of Jesus was enforced by the finished work of Jesus because it fulfilled the requirements of the old covenant. I see that. So because two governments cannot be at the same time or prison at the same time, because um, two, two, two kings cannot rule at the same location, and so the old covenant had to come, and then the new covenant was enacted because it fulfilled the demands, it fulfilled all the requirements of the old covenant. Now the fulfillment of the law is found in Christ's new covenant. The fulfillment of the law is found in Christ's new covenant. The Bible says what the law could not do, in that it was weak through flesh. But God sending his own son, and Romans 8, and the says, and the likeness of sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh. Are you know what I'm saying? So the fulfillment of the law is found in Christ's new covenant. Now, in order for us to understand this, we must, to understand how Jesus fulfilled the law, we must see his pressing, his work and his purpose in the framework of a new exodus. Now, there were two exodus. The first exodus was in Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus chapter 18, where Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, Moses also told them, he said, the Lord shall send you a prophet like me. Moses was a type of Jesus, and how was he a type of Jesus? Because he was a pointer to what Jesus was coming to do. Egypt is symbolic for bondage, symbolic for the bondage of sin, and Pharaoh is symbolic for the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Moses led the people, he delivered people out of Satan and his bondage. That's what Egypt and the Pharaoh is symbolic for. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, that's the first Exodus. Now, the first Exodus was enacted by a Passover. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. A Passover lamb. And the Bible says that the lamb was meant to be a young lamb that was spotless and without any broken part. Praise the Lord forevermore. And that lamb was to be killed. And then his blood was to be put on the lintel. Praise the Lord forevermore. Top of the lintel and two sides of the door, we symbolize the cross. Amen to Jesus. And Jesus was the lamb that was killed. Praise the Lord forevermore. 
Jesus was a lamb that was killed. And his blood made atonement for us. Now, so when the blood was there, what happened was that when the angel of death saw the blood, it actually indicated that somebody had died there. So there's no need to come and kill. So any door that there is no death, it means that the people there are alive. That's why the Bible says we are crucified with Christ. We are dead with him. Nevertheless we live, yet not I, but life, but Christ lives in me. So when the angel of death said, saw the blood, it actually saw and know that the people in that house are actually dead. You don't kill a dead man. So it passes over to the next house where they are living people. But here when we are in Christ, we are dead in Christ, so nothing can kill us. But when you are not in Christ, you are alive in the devil, and the devil has to go ahead to kill you. And the lamb was to be without blemish, which symbolized Jesus, who was without blemish, and he was slain. And he said, every family should eat the lamb completely, completely. Don't remain anything of the lamb. If one family cannot, if your lamb is too for a family, they should share. But you must make sure that you finish the lamb that night. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And then, after the past, what happens is that in the feast of the Passover, the next thing that happens is that after the lamb is killed, the, the, the father of the house goes and puts a bread, a loaf of bread, in the cupboard. He puts it in the cupboard and leaves that bread there for the first night, the second night. On the third day, he brings the loaf of bread out and weaves it. And then they eat it. Jesus was the lamb that was killed on the Good Friday. Stayed in the grave for the first night, the second night. On the third day, he rose up as the bread of life. Hallelujah. Now, symbolic for what happened in the Passover. Are we together? So everything Moses did was a type of what Jesus did. And Jesus converted the Passover to what is called the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion, praise the Lord forevermore. So there was the first Passover, which was what Moses did. And then they came the last, uh, last uh, 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 Exodus, which was what Jesus did with the new people, the new covenant people. So Moses moved them from, from, from East, moved them from Egypt to Mount Sinai, where they made a covenant with God. And Jesus, by his death, made a covenant for us with God. And you know something? Now, Moses took the people to Mount Sinai, and in Mount Sinai, he, he made a covenant, they made a covenant with God. And it was brought, the token was the, was the tablet of stone. But in the new covenant, Jesus made the covenant for us, and he is the token. Now, let's continue. Now, Moses was the mediator of the old covenant, received from God, and mediated the old covenant between Yahweh and Israel with the tablets of stone. Are you know what I'm saying? With the tablets of stone. Now, so, as it were, the token for the old covenant was tablets of stones. Lifeless tablets of stones. That's why the Bible says, the letter won't kill it. Lifeless. There's no life in there. Are you know what I'm saying? But the token of the old covenant was lifeless tablets of stones because in every covenant there were the tokens. And there must be a mediator, praise God. So Moses was a mediator, and the token was lifeless tablets of stones. Praise God. Messiah chapter 24, verse 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mountain. 
commandments which are written that thou mayest teach them. Praise God. So Moses made a covenant with the people of Israel. With, uh, Moses was a mediator between the people of Israel when the covenant was made. And the token for the covenant was the law, the tablets of soul, lifeless tablets of soul that cannot generate life. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is why the law cannot give life. We learned that in the first The law cannot give life. It can't give life. And it takes life to fulfill anything. It takes life to accomplish anything. The law cannot give life. The law, let's say, if the law cannot even help you obey it. It's just there waiting for you to do your part. So the law does not help you do anything concerning obeying it. The law only places demand on you. Obey me. After all, God said you should obey me. So obey me. Okay, help me obey you now. There's nothing I can do. That's why when you see any relationship where all the part one party does is places demand on that party. Love me. Care for me. Take care of me. Any of that, any relationship in that light is a law-oriented relationship. You place demand, but you don't even help the person fulfill it. Are you getting what I'm saying? But grace supplies what you need. You see, the law tells you obey God. And it doesn't avail you with anything you need, any resources, any ability to obey God. But grace does not just tell you obey God. Grace obeys God on your behalf and carries you. Are you know what I'm saying? And that's, that, that, that's, that's the difference. Praise the Lord very much. And you don't blame the Lord. It's actually written on a ta tablet of old stones. They're lifeless. Amen. Now Jesus is the mediator of, new of the new covenant. He made and mediated the new covenant between Yahweh and humanity with his own blood. You see that? Now while Moses was the mediator of the new covenant, the covenant was made between Yahweh and the children of Israel. And it was with the token of the tablets of stone. Are you getting me? But Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, he made this new covenant and mediated the new covenant between Yahweh and his new covenant people. And the, the token of the new covenant is his blood. And the Bible says the life of the living is where? In the blood. So he made the token of the new covenant is the life of Jesus. Why the token of the old covenant is a dead Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of evil. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. John chapter 1 verse 17, very beautiful. Now let's bring it. Let's marry Moses and Jesus. It says, For the Lord was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. Now here is very well. The law was giving, 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 giving. Moses came, God gave me this and I'm giving it to you. Uh, take it. Are you not saying? The law was giving. Let's look at this one. Usually, when most of the time, when people are giving something, it's because they ask for it. Is that not so? Bible says, Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. On a normal basis, people are giving things they ask for. When you give people things they don't ask for, they actually abuse it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the law was given because.
deacons and go the children of Israel and ask for it. Next chapter 19. God told Moses, Moses told them, see this is what God wants to say. He said, tell him whatsoever he tells us to do, we will do it. So in other words, give us your best shots, God. Yahweh, give us your best shots. And Yahweh said, okay, I'll give you it head. <laughs> but that head, we'll see that you can fulfill it for the rest of your life. So they said, give us your best shots. So God gave them the law. They asked for the law and God gave them the law. But look at something here. It says, but grace and truth came. That means what? Man did not ask for grace and truth. Grace and truth came on his own words and come. And why did grace and truth come? Because of the love of the Father. That is the reason why a lot of Christians abuse the grace of God. Because something that you did not ask for, there's a tendency for you to abuse it. And that's the reason why a lot of unsaved people trample upon the finished work of Christ. Because man did not ask for grace. Grace came on its own because of his extravagant love. And so we abuse grace because we didn't ask for grace. But the love that the Israelites asked for, they fear it today. Give us your best shot, Lord. And they fear it today. But the grace that we did not ask for, that just came to us, we say, what's the use of the grace? Even Christians abuse the grace. Unbelievers trample the finish of Christ on our feet. And why? Because grace came. Grace, you know, grace was not asked for. Grace came. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. Just the same way. You see some people like, ah, they just came to Ghana. <laughs> They came, we didn't ask for them, they came. So we can, we can trample, we can abuse what God has brought to us. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because they didn't ask for me, I came. Because God told me, come. Actually, the people that are crying for me will soon come. Because in the realms of the Spirit, they were the ones who cried for me. Amen. They cried for me. Yes, God. And so they will soon come. Amen. If I are already here. Amen. But looking at on the on, on the physical plane, I came. Because God's love sent me down here. Yes. And you get what I'm saying? So people always abuse things that they did not ask for. It's a normal human tendency. So the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came to the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was kept perfectly by Christ. And all its penalties against God's sinful people were poured out on Christ. We've let that before. Therefore, the law is now manifesting not the path of righteousness. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. The law is now is not now the path of righteousness. Now, um, we need to understand something that actually the law was always never the path of righteousness. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster. To lead us to the Lord Jesus. It is not the path of righteousness. It leads us to the path of righteousness. Because Jesus is a righteousness himself. And he is a path of righteousness. Jesus says in John 14 verse 6, the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I am the way that leads you to the truth that finally leads you to the light. So I'm the way. If you just want to describe Jesus, describe us as the way. Because I have a way that leads you to locate the destination called the truth. And that truth is not the end. The truth is also a way that leads you to the light. And what is the light? The light is the very expression of God Himself. We've learned that before. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. 
So the law was not the path of righteousness. It actually was leading us to the path, the way of righteousness. And so Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of the law. He fulfilled the law. So the law no longer takes the role of righteousness. Are you going to say? That's why by keeping the law, no man can be righteous before God. Because our righteousness is not in the law. It is in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. The ultimate goal of the law is to make us look to Christ. Is to bring us to Christ. Remember we said that the law is a schoolmaster. And when we were studying for the online world schoolmaster, we actually saw that it was a, a, a slave. It's a, a old slave that takes the child to school. So the ultimate goal of the law is to take us to Christ and to make us look to Christ for our righteousness. Romans chapter 10 verse 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He is the end of the law for righteousness to begin for everyone who believes. So let's take it this way. Christ is this. This is the end of the law. And this is the beginning of righteousness. So, when you believe in Christ, the law ends for you and righteousness begins for you. So, Christ does not just come and begin righteousness like some of us believe. No. Christ came and he ended the law by fulfilling it and began righteousness. So, that means for anyone to claim to be Christ, he must understand what it means to
in the law is not the day that we get into Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the day we enter into Jesus, the day we become born again, we have entered into our day of rest. That means in our day of rest, we worship God every day. We worship Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day is our Shabbat. Every day. Why? Because we stay in His rest. We live in His rest. Why do we come to church on Sunday or Wednesday? We come to church not to forsake the assembly of the saints. Not because that, that is the day that we must worship him. No, we worship him per second, per second. Yes. Because we are in the rest, and that rest is Jesus. That's what Apostle Paul said. Do not give heed to days and festivals and, 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 and rituals. Say, don't give heed to those things. Those are not the things. For Christ is our rest. He's our rest. So for you to understand, you see, when, when people don't begin to pick some things from Old Testament and begin to confuse themselves, the reason why they confuse themselves is because they don't know how to relate the revelation of the Old Testament into the New Testament. When you know how to relate it, and that only comes by the Holy Spirit, the letter kills. When you know how to relate the revelation of the Old Testament into the New Testament, you live a life of superfluity in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Hallelujah. So all scriptures, all scriptures bear witness to Christ. Every one of them. Christ is our rest. Christ is our Shabbat. Christ is our rest. He is our rest. We labor to enter into him. As we labor to enter into him, when we receive him as our Lord and personal Savior, we enter into him. Praise the Lord forevermore. Amen. Now, number two, all scriptures are about Jesus. Even when there is no explicit prediction. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. So Jesus began from Moses, entered to, to, to Samuel, even to, to John, every he picked up the prophets and began to expound to these two disciples and all that was written concerning him. And again, that's what I'm saying. So sometimes it may not look clearly and deeply that this is talking about Jesus. Like for example, you see people say that the book of Esther, God was never mentioned in the book of Esther. So it's not meant to be in the Bible. So now people say the book of Sons of Solomon, God was not mentioned. So it's not meant to be in the Bible. But you see, why did the why did the, those who canonize the Bible choose these books? Why did they choose these books? Though they didn't mention God in the books. It's simple. Because these books, let me use the word, just like Job to an extent, they were kind of writings that then uh, this uh, like Sons of Solomon was a poetic book. And those who do, who do what they call spoken words, it is called that they understand what is called uh, uh, metaphor, simile. Those who are poets understand metaphor, simile, and what are the other likes. And the list goes on. These are ways that they communicate the truth without saying it precisely. But they are communicating the truth. Now the book of Psalms of Solomon just actually talks about Jesus, the groom, and the, the, the bride, the church. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's what it talks about. That's basically what it talks about. Amen to Jesus. Yeah. And if you look at the book of Esther, when he carried him up bound to Haman. John is saying with Daniel, Shedah, Meshach, and Abednego, they never bowed to the living image. Talking about Lu 
loyalty and faithfulness to Yahweh. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, some of them who want to see people say, Jesus, God, before they believe that this person is talking, Jesus, and God. I remember Dr. Maslow was speaking once and he said, a good leader does not allow people around him to be intimidated. He said, for example, when you go to meet political leaders and you are going to act as a consultant there, you can't start telling them in the name of Jesus, you know, brother, I came to pray, Jesus, when people say, Jesus, so they, they just become insecure around you and they push you out of the environment. Second, so, you can make them comfortable, consult for them, and at the end of the day, still preach Jesus to them. Then, before you know, you have communicated Jesus to them. Yeah, I, I, story, I have a story about how the, the, some uh, political leaders in Nigeria had a meeting and um, the, 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 the mass role was to minister to them, also speak to them. It was supposed to tell them the UN plan for Nigeria. Uh -huh. So, before he came, before he came on the podium, there was a pastor who came first. And the pastor started preaching, started vibrating, started gyrating, as he was shouting, he was sweating. The politicians picked up newspaper and they were reading. Why? They must have analyzed it. That is dealt. It's too much. 20,000. That issue is too much. 30,000. It's suit maybe 50,000. That is risk to watch is 5,000. It is that two year clothes. Not breaking. Because we will read newspaper. Now is it the coming summer time? He saw that everybody was reading newspaper. Say, okay, now I want to invite, introduce somebody to you to, to speak to you. He's a great man of God. He's a man after he talked about the things they were speaking about. And they finished. But the man's who came on the podium. As he came on the podium, he began talking. He narrated the UN plan and related it from the international level to how to affect the smallest child in the village. They said to me, I this one is talking sense. Then, he now told them of how he lives in a, in a house built with all marbles, all marble house, worth more than 20,000 US dollars as a bed. They now dropped the newspaper finally. They <laughs> said, this one, this one, he asked what we need. With all this city, we are still living in the concrete cement. At the end of the day, when he finished, he introduced Jesus to them. And he told them, Would you like to get born again? Would you like to see Jesus and see them? Come and see politicians running out to come and get saved. Perhaps he made a leave for one more. This one will be our meat. They ran out, they were lifting their hands and giving their life to Jesus.
My pastor friend in Congo, I said, when well, he began to teach his church members symbolism and typology, I was showing them Jesus in the Old Testament. They were shouting, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, for, for him, this thing is normal. Why are people excited about this thing? They were surprised. Pastor, he said, oh, this is normal. This is all Jesus in the Old Testament. What is here? And I was like, wow. So people don't even see the beauty of this thing. That's why I say they don't read Old Testament. Because they feel that it is too difficult. Amen. The ones that manage to read New Testament, they will read and confuse themselves. Some that read New Testament, they use it for battle prayer. And they just a mess there. Praise God for the more. But I tell you, all the promises of God in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This means that when you have Jesus Christ in your life, in no time, in no time, in no time, both Christ himself and the promises will begin to manifest. Hear me very well. I am too sure. I am just too sure. Just oversure. Is there anyone more than oversure that I have been called to minister to nations of the earth? I'm too sure that I've been called to minister to, to, to people in every nation in the earth. It may not be everybody in the nation. But people in every nation in the earth have been called to minister to them. And it only take a little time. And I will see it manifest. Why? Because the promises have already been fulfilled in Christ. Jesus said in Nazareth, so I can reach out to the ends of the earth. There are some people in China that their, their, their spirit will not rest until they hear my voice. Yeah. It only take time. Why? Because Jesus has fulfilled it all, all the promises. He told himself, he's going to the world and go and preach the gospel. I have fulfilled it so you can go and preach. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at, look at her. Take second Corinthians 1 verse 20. Let's look at the King James Bible says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Let's look at some other translation. The Bible basically says, For he is the yes, for he is the yes to all the undertakings of God. Hey! Jesus is the yes. He is the yes. He is the yes. See, your amen is not as powerful as Jesus. So long as Jesus has fulfilled it all, your amen is just a, 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 a let me use the word, it's just an addition to what Jesus has done. That's the reason why when we are saying amen, we are saying it to Jesus. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the yes to all the undertakings of God. Without Jesus, we cannot receive anything. If we like, we fast. If we like, we pray. If we like, we give. Without Jesus, there is nothing the Father can avail to us. Since it's the yes to all the undertakings of God. And by Him, all the works of God are being set to Of Christ. Hey! Hey! Yes. 
speak for them. Now, for God, for, for, the, for God and the children of Israel, it was like the established also where he wrote his law. And those law became letters to them. Amen. Praise God. Now, so when he made this, he's, he simply made his promises and gave man his part to play. Praise God. So man had a part to play to fulfill, to see the manifestation of the promises in his life. Amen. Are we together? Because why? It was tablets of stone. And you see, the tablet of stone was Ten Commandments. That is what Bible to us. Do this. Do that. Do this. If you do this, you do that. You do this. You do that. Then, my promises to you will be what? Manifested. Let's look at this truth. Let's look at two examples. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 to 14. Or only verse 1. It says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which have commanded you this day. You see, you have to do first. It says, That the Lord thy God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. You see, it first started with them doing before God does. You see that? That's where the old covenant goes. The talking was a tablet of stone. Tablets of stone, sorry. So it started with them doing. When they do, then God does. Look at Exodus 22, verse 20, 23, verse 25, down to 23. I'll just read verse 25. It says, And you shall serve the Lord. It starts with you again. You see that? And you shall serve the Lord by God. And he shall bless that bread and that water. And I will take sickness away from this of thee. But this happens when you first serve the Lord. Then if you now start blessing your bread and water, he will start taking sickness away from thee. So it starts with the people doing, not with God doing. I get up saying. They have to do for God to do. Are we together? So the manifestation of this promise were based on what man did, in other words, works. This is because the token that was used was what? Lifeless. And so this covenant was what? Limited to works. Amen. In view of the limitation of the old covenant, the Father caught a new covenant and a better covenant with man. With same promises and then he added better promises to it. And Jesus was a token used for this covenant. Are you getting what I'm saying? Thus, Jesus was the Lamb that was killed to enact a new covenant between God and man. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Why is he better? The old one, the token was tablets of stones, lifeless objects. But this new one, the token is a living being. <laughs> and even we know that the blood of a human being in sacrifice is stronger than the blood of an animal. Let alone in lifeless objects. That was a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Revelation 13 verse 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So Jesus was the Lamb that was what? Slain from the foundation of the world. This brings me back to the beginning of my teaching where I said, the new covenant was written before the old covenant. Why? 
Because the old covenant manifested when God gave it to, 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 to Moses. And that was where we first heard about the old covenant. And you get what I'm saying? But Jesus was slain. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. That means that the new covenant was enacted in the realms of the spirit when the earth was being founded. And you get what I'm saying? It was enacted when the earth was being founded. Even before Adam was created, the new covenant was enacted. Before Adam fell, the new covenant was enacted. Even before God called Abraham, the new covenant was enacted. Even before Moses came, the new covenant was enacted. That's why Jesus told them, before Abraham, I am. The new covenant was already enacted, waiting for the old covenant to display itself. the Savior. God sent the Savior to man. So the new covenant was enacted even before the new old covenant was delivered. But it was gone from the foundation of the earth and the realms of the spirit. And after the old covenant was delivered, it was now physically delivered to humanity. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. So the death of Jesus did not only fulfill the demands of the law, which was the death, which was the death of the sinner. It also enacted the new covenant. Caught, God caught with all those who believe in the finished work of Christ. Are you not saying? So this covenant is the new covenant, which is made in and through Jesus Christ. All the promises made by God to man are sealed by the sacrifice of Jesus, who is the token of the new covenant. In this light, all of those promises he made to man in the old covenant. And while making the new covenant, I yes, that is they are fulfilled in Christ. <laughs> in your presence of the new covenant, we therefore do not depend on our works to see the manifestation of all of God's promises in our lives. We depend on and have full faith in Jesus and his finished work, and we see the manifestation of all of God's promises in our lives. Of God. And because he's a yes to the person of God, I'm resting in 
every miracle you need is in the promise of God. If it's not in the promise of God, then you are sure that it will not manifest in your life. But if it's in the promise of God, then you are sure that it will manifest. Why? Because Jesus is the yes to all of God's promises. And so, I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to be wanting you to just say amen as I pray. Lord Jesus, we put our focus on you. We put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We rest in you. And for everyone who is believing God, who is believing for a miracle, we say, Jesus, you are the fulfillment of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. We say amen in our bodies, in our souls, in everything that pertains to us. We say amen to the manifestation of miracles. We say amen to manifestation of miracles. We say amen to healings. We say amen to deliverances. We say amen to transformations. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we say amen. We say amen. We say amen. We say amen. We say amen to financial breakthroughs, to ministry breakthroughs, to supernatural turnarounds, to deliverances. We say amen. We say amen. We say amen. We say amen. It is done in the name of Jesus. If you're seeking your body, check yourself. You are being healed now. Because Jesus is the yes to God's promises. For that one in need of a financial breakthrough, the breakthrough has already hit you where you are. Because Jesus is the yes to all of God's promises. It is done. So it is. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let's go ahead and appreciate God. Let's bless his name. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe you have been blessed watching and listening to this teaching. We invite you to watch and listen to more Pluru teachings by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. You can subscribe and watch our YouTube channel for more videos of these series and other series. Or listen via Grace Life Podcast on Anchor FM. We would like to hear from you via email, if you made the prayer of salvation and would like to share your testimonies from this ministration. Grace to you. Mm -hmm.